When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply type of behavior it's easy to not own slaves when you have apps for everything and if you owned a slave you'd go to jail yeah. the easiest time ever to not own a slave. yeah yeah um but but would you with your current set of ethics and principles in the year 1800 born into a plantation family would you set him free you have sad things to say yes so i'll begin yes please <laughs> don't start with me okay so this is actually i think the most upbeat thing Okay. This is something that you already know about, but I th- it was the a charisma breakthrough of the week. We have had people pirating our courses for a long time. Mm. Uh, it happens on Google. It happens everywhere. But increasingly, it's been happening on Instagram, which is especially frustrating because what people have started doing is setting up fake accounts that pretend to be me or just keeping their account, but following people that follow Charisma On Command or me and hitting them up in the DMs, mm-hmm. being like, hey, I'm going to sell you this course for ten dollars or yeah they basically steal they basically steal our stuff and then yeah. try to find our fans and sell it to them yes thus stealing from us and profiting themselves and so i have no idea how many people take this but i actually have i, I was pleasantly surprised or maybe it's just a small subset of the total so many people hit me up being like hey this seems really shady just wanted you to know about this yeah which is awesome yeah we which wouldn't is have known otherwise which is super kind of them and the way that instagram works is they say okay show me your copyrighted content and i go well they, they haven't posted it on their Instagram. What they're saying is give me your email and they're using your platform to conduct illegal activity essentially, which is, yeah. you know, taking the copyrighted content. But Instagram won't do anything about it. Yeah, which is super annoying. Yes. I feel like, <laughs> this, this is a little tangent, but I feel like a lot of these- Let's talk about platforms. platforms. Yeah. A lot of these platforms hide under the shield of, pla- like, oh, I'm a platform. Like, yeah. I can't be charged with copyright. Yeah. I'm a platform. Yeah. Like, oh, you're getting totally <laughs> fucked because someone's stealing your course. Like, I'm a platform. Yeah. And then when you say something they disagree with politically that (laughs) that comes against their like ideology, censored, disbanded, deplatformed, it's like, okay, you can't do that part Mm -hmm. if you're a platform. If you're a platform, you are just supposed to be the Wild West. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do that, then you should stop people from stealing from me Mm -hmm. because you're at this point, you're saying I'm a person that runs a business that's not a platform and I stop illegal activity. Sure. But for now, they just like pick and choose when it's convenient. I can actually defend that. And I want to get back to the 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 happy part of this (laughs) but but uh telephones or utilities or platforms Mm -hmm. you can use telephones to conduct illegal activity yeah there's nothing that's straight up allowed they also cannot disconnect my phone if i say something they don't like exactly i call you exactly and they love a certain presidential candidate and i go that candidate sucks Mm -hmm. and also this disease isn't real and i just say a bunch of shit in my telephone they cannot just 
take away my service mm-hmm. the next day because they were listening into my call. Yeah, so that's what, a real platform. I agree. So, what, so what we'd like <laughs> to see, it sounds like, is just pick one. Are you a yeah. platform or are you a company <laughs> that censors people? Yes, or a, a private company. You can't be a platform that censors people. That's not how platform law is supposed to work. Mm-hmm. So, in any event, the good news about this is that. This one particular person, I, I've got no recourse, really, mm-hmm. but we're going, what do we say? Do we, like, send one of those cease and desist letters that has, you know, is just threatening? And you wrote a message to this person, which was really good. I, It's kind of like a no-teeth ask, mm-hmm. which is you wrote him, hey, person, uh, I've gotten a number of messages that you've been uh, trying to sell my course via Instagram. Can you please stop? <laughs> I worked very hard on this. And it's it's how I run my business and pay my team. Yeah, it's how I support myself. It's how I support mm-hmm. the team. I just kind of humanize this. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times Charisma on Command can be, it's like Procter & Gamble. It's like, mm-hmm. we're not. <laughs> uh, like, I made this. I worked hard on this. Uh, when you steal it, you steal money from my pocket and mm-hmm. you take away my ability to pay my team. Mm-hmm. So I was just, my goal was like, all right, the only thing we can do is try to humanize ourselves. Because yeah, yeah. I didn't think this was the kind of person who would come up on me in an alley, hit me in the back of the head and steal my wallet. Mm-hmm. I think he thought it was harmless. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that was my mm-hmm. only goal with the message. Just be like, I'm a person. <laughs> this hurts me emotionally, financially. <laughs> You're making me sad. Yeah. Well, they they wrote me back and said, hey, I'm sorry. I I will stop. Yeah. And uh, I was, I'm in a, I'm in a bad financial situation and I'm trying to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've written back a handful of things, but the, my instinct was to include in there if you don't do this, then I will. Like some sort of light threat. Mm-hmm. And I actually think it would have been way less effective mm-hmm. with any sort of threat. And I was struck by how, because when you wrote it, how it had no ultimatum, no, it had I, I zero say, I didn't teeth say you have to, to it. I just said, can you please can stop? You please stop? Can and, you please stop? And yeah. you, you're, you're good at this. Uh, that to me, I, I didn't write it because I knew I couldn't write it because I cannot... <laughs> genuflect like that yeah. you know i can't be like i couldn't i could not have wrote please in there yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it just would not have come out of my fingers but it is a really really good charisma move that deserves to make it into some of the videos that we've done or courses or something because i've seen you do it in the past and it is wildly effective yeah. uh i i'm gonna call it the no teeth ask from <laughs> now on because it has no bite to it there's no penalty yeah. and it it, it is so much more effective. And where it is especially effective is when you truly have no recourse. Yeah. Like if you're actually like, look, could you please stop? Uh, I do have lawyers on hand and I genuinely sure, sure. don't mean to use them. But like next step is I have your address and we'll be, well, we'll be sending I'll, you I'll, court dates. I'll give the counter example. Yeah. Our friend was uh, being sued because he runs a company and they fired a Latina woman. Mm-hmm. And she was suing them because of discrimination because she was the only Latina woman at the company mm-hmm. and got fired. Except that's not true. <laughs> they have other Latina people. She was fired for explicit reasons. So she writes them an email saying, I'm suing you unless you settle with me out of court. She's just looking for money because she doesn't want to get a job. It's COVID and she was fired or whatever. And their CEO writes back and says, hey, I'm CCing my very expensive legal team on this email. <laughs> uh, you are absolutely welcome to take us to court. I look forward to them winning this case and you reimbursing them for their legal fees once you lose. Mm-hmm. Because that was like, legitimately what was going to happen mm-hmm. he was just saying you have no case whatsoever and this is going to hurt you if you do this and she backed off completely yeah so i think that's an appropriate time to have a teeth <laughs> yeah. response which is like you're way out of line i have recourse i know exactly how this is going to play out 
it's better for everyone if you just don't do this. Yeah, it's kind of um, like don't point a gun that you don't intend to fire and don't point a gun at a person if you don't intend to take a life. And it's that's obviously the extreme version, but don't make threats that yeah. you don't 100% intend to follow through on or even intimate. You, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the guy in the bar that talks a bunch of shit, <laughs> but then gets knocked out because yeah. he like didn't intend on fighting. He was just mm-hmm. puffing his chest up. It's like, yeah, don't do that. Never do that. <laughs> Never do that. You're better off literally just asking people to stop and saying, weirdly enough, this hurts my feelings. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, you know, I worked hard on this. It was to me, and I'm not saying that it is, it feels, and I imagine to some of our fans, pathetic to mm-hmm. prostrate yourself to mm-hmm. someone who has done you wrong and say, could you please stop? This hurts my feelings. I worked hard. Like to me, those are words that I hear nine year olds saying. Like, sure, I, sure. but it's effective yeah. <laughs> you know so so yeah no empty threats and and when you got nothing go with yeah. the no tea it ask. also reminds me of um this time someone was being a dick uh, when we were on a trip in costa rica mm. i think it was costa rica where we were with a group of like 20 people and one guy was just getting drunk and like had a chip on his shoulder against me i think he mm. thought i was like well respected in the group and his way of getting well respected in the group was just to constantly like try yeah, to tease yeah, yeah. Me and pick at me now, this might have only worked because I was in that particular group, like fairly high status. You know what I mean? It wasn't he wasn't like picking on the loser of the group. Yeah. But I was like, what do I do here? Like, I'm not going to beat him up. We're, we all have these mutual friends. Uh, I want him to stop. This is getting very old. Very. And I, I just want to underscore this person, if I recall, was smaller than you. Yes. And you could have gotten away with a threat, which is what men sometimes do when there's alcohol is they make these physical threats or they stand up, they puff their chest out. I could have even pulled him aside. Could have not, yeah. not embarrassed him in public. Yeah. Him, hey man, can I talk to you? Hey, you say one more thing about me. I'm going to knock you out. Yeah. And I'm warning you now. Could have worked. Might have worked. Just mm-hmm. didn't feel like the right way to do it. But uh, yeah, he's smaller than me and just being a dick. And instead, like we were just on a bus to a party and it publicly was like, hey man, I used to really like you before this trip. Uh, these jokes are getting old. I don't really want to spend any more time with you if you keep this up. Like, don't expect to ever see me when this trip is over because you're not going to be my friend after this. It was mm-hmm. something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Just saying, like, it's hurting me. Here's the consequence. Like, it wasn't a toothless threat, but it also mm-hmm. wasn't I'm going to beat you up. It's just mm-hmm. like, I'm making it over you overtly aware that I think you're being rude and have no interest in seeing you if you keep doing it. And mm-hmm. he stopped. I was I was surprised at how much he stopped. I yeah. was just being honest. I was just yeah. like, I have nothing, I can beat you up or be honest. And immediately on a dime, he stopped. And again, mm-hmm. I think that could be because I wasn't like in the group, the butt of the jokes. I'm not saying that would work for everyone. But uh, I, when, after it happened, I was I was surprised at how immediate the effect was of just being like, yeah, I don't like this and I'm going to stop being your friend if you keep doing it. Yeah, what you're good at is saying things, and I, and I don't mean this, this is not meant to be like an underhanded mean thing, that sound childish but are incredibly effective. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be your friend anymore. Yeah, like, yeah. I can't say that because it sounds too weak but it is so effective yeah i also didn't say it angrily i yeah. wasn't i didn't scream at him no you like, you said it in a monotone. monotone but also mildly hurt way i remember it yeah, you're yeah. like this hurts my feelings well, i wasn't being nice though i wasn't yeah, like yeah. hey man listen like i just i just said it like it was like pretty monotone mm-hmm. and and honest um mm-hmm. No, you're yeah, you good weirdly, at saying this, this hurts my feelings and it makes me not want to be your friend and, yeah. and it and it works or like well. hey you're stealing from me yeah it's it, like I need this money to pay my team and buy food. If I have to, and I, I don't want to linger on this too long, but what I what I guess I sense that you are you are good at doing that I am not is indicating that people have hurt you. Mm. I hate letting them know. Mm. Like, and you call it out. You say like, hey, I worked hard on this and this hurts me. Mm. Or like, hey, what you're saying hurts my feelings. I can't do that. Interesting. <laughs> like, Interesting. I wonder why. 
Why, what do you think the difference is? To me, that is a weakness that I'm unwilling to be vulnerable about. Mm. Like the fact that you got to me is like, listen, you're not getting to me, man, but like <laughs> <laughs> I'm not comfortable uh, expressing that in that in that direct three word statement. You hurt me yeah, yeah. Is, is very uncomfortable for me. Huh. Um, but moving along. So we have platforms. Just, I was this is the hottest take I've ever had on the show. This was <laughs> I'm two minutes late to record because I was watching this. Oh, yeah. But I need to watch more of it. There's an ongoing uh, questioning of the government is questioning people at Twitter, Facebook, and I believe Instagram mm. about censorship as it relates to the election. And I just saw one quick thing with Senator Ted Cruz questioning Jack Dorsey mm. about some of the Hunter Biden laptop stuff and what they take down, what they don't take down. But I don't know a lot about the specifics of the story, but I do know one area where Jack lied outright. And it was the first question where... Ted says, do you believe that Twitter has the ability to influence elections? And Jack said, no. <laughs> what? I was like, what? What's the penalty for lying in front of Congress? I mean, you can't prove that. But I was like, dude, Congress, uh, I don't know if he perjured himself. I don't know if he swore. I don't know if he did. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. OK. If he put his hand on the Bible, it's perjury. But I was just like, come on. Like, I get that you're here to to represent Twitter. But dude. You don't think that Twitter has the ability to influence elections? Even if you guys think that you're making the correct decision, even if this laptop story, like, and then then he got him and Jack, I don't know the specifics of it, but he said, okay, so this Hunter Biden story isn't okay because according to you, it comes from a hacked source, which mm-hmm. is it came from uh, somebody got his computer and then they showed yeah. it. But Donald Trump's tax returns, which were leaked and well, that didn't count. Well, I, and then Ted Cruz shoots back. Yes, they did release the actual tax returns and you guys have done nothing about this. So I don't know the specifics of it, but just the idea that Twitter doesn't influence elections with their policy is so on its face absurd as to make me distrust everything he said after that. Uh, And so I haven't watched the rest of it. It is fascinating, but I think that we are uh, coming to recognize, and everybody said this, that the algorithms and the policies of these companies dictate the worldview of more people than anything. Yeah, well, I mean, separately, I I think I've mentioned this, but like some of the algorithms for Facebook, for instance, are just designed to outrage you Mm -hmm. because that's what gets them the most money. But that in itself is an influence. Everyone thinks the world is worse than it's ever been. Yeah. There's studies, oh, no, we're on, more unhappy than we've been. The most important election of all time. Yeah, Yeah. it's never been this bad. And it's like, I get that we have COVID, but we're not in Vietnam. Yeah. Like if you had to choose one, Vietnam War, people are getting drafted. We're mm-hmm. over in Vietnam fighting the good fight or the bad fight, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Or there's COVID. I don't know much about the details, but like it's not obvious. Well, to me as that a this young male in, a, in, in the draft age, I'm going to go with COVID. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but I can imagine no, no, that an not, older person might feel differently. I'm just saying it's not immediately obvious <laughs> yeah. to me. This is the worst time that's ever occurred in the last hundred years. I was reading the Dwight Eisenhower book. Uh, there was this Cold War. <laughs> where yeah. people were convinced that Russia was going to drop nuclear bombs. They had missiles in Cuba. My parents were hiding under desks in school yeah. drills for when the bombs dropped. Dude, like, there's also a hot war called World <laughs> yeah. War II. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, it's. I think uh, not only does it influence elections, but I think it influences sentiment, which is everyone that today mm-hmm. is on edge, anxious, thinks the world is falling apart, is... Like there's doomers, you know, I mean, Trump, Trump wins and there's like hysteric crying in the street. And it's like, listen, I I get that you don't want this. Pull yourself up. 
and like go make a change in your local community for whatever mm-hmm. you're concerned about. Go volunteer at Planned Parenthood if you think that that's the big issue. But it's like, don't act like this is the worst thing that's ever happened in American history. It's just like- Well, I, I can understand why, and it's because I disagree with Jack Dorsey in that you truly believe that it is the worst thing because you probably have received more messages this than anyone in al- America. Like, the it algorithm is, is constantly telling yeah. you all of the worst things that are happening. Because mm-hmm. they, and not just worst in terms of tragedy. They're trying to piss you off. They're trying to scare you. Mm-hmm. That's what gets shared. Like I, for that's just it. Happy does not get shared. So they're trying to piss well, you off. Well, happy does, but but uh, it's anger ten, ten is, times less. Yeah, literally, Ang- it's ten times. It, then anger, anger, uh, anger, outrage, fear. Mm-hmm. Ten times more than happiness. Sadness is in between. Sadness will get shared more than happiness, but less than yeah, like fear and anger. Really, I remember because uh, from trust me, I'm lying. I do believe there was an emotion that was just like slow sadness despondent sadness that just didn't do really well it wasn't like a motivating thing but i do remember that anger was by far in a way the biggest one that yeah. gets shared and spread so that's why but that's so it's like yeah not only are you influencing election you're in you are like <laughs> hypnotizing people into thinking mm-hmm. that is the end times mm-hmm. well and and you don't this is important doesn't mean that jack dorsey is evil or that the algorithm is evil it just means that in a, in an attempt to get the most eyes mm-hmm. for the most amount of time yes the way that the human psyche interacts with that is it like these algorithms are in a sense neutral. All they want is money yeah. <laughs> and atten- and well, through that they get attention. Uh, I think that sometimes tech from the top down will pick a political side. Sure. So the algorithm mostly wants money mm-hmm. most of the time, but I do think it gets swayed. Like let's say the entire board of directors and C-suite is Republican or Democrat. Yeah. They will try to skew an election. Sure, I don't sure. think it's just profit. I think that's that's true. But in terms of what you're talking about, why do we spread anger? That's not a dictate on high. That just happens no. to be how the human psyche interacts with anything that cares about what grabs your attention and makes you act. I also don't even think it's a choice because part of part of you could argue if someone was like super, let's say libertarian and super free will that the, the onus is on the humans to stop consuming and stop sharing. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're just hacking our hardware, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's something in the human brain that is just drawn to that kind of stuff that feels it's important. It is life or death to know the life or death stuff. So yeah. I, I actually don't even know if you could bottom up fix this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I hate to, I'm, I'm just a broken record. The only thing that does it in my experience is uh, well, psychedelics are a piece of it, but it's like it's transcendent experience. It might be having a child. It might be breath work. It, it's it's things that well, take I, you out of that that I, fight or flight thing and just make you realize that that isn't the entirety of yes, life. But I think the can, I think the only action you can take is to unsubscribe completely from like watching CNN or mm. watching Fox or going on Twitter. Yeah, but if you are like pretty, if, unless you're maybe the Dalai Lama, but you are like, I've been meditating for five years. And I've been taking psychedelics for whatever. Oh, time. no, Twitter will get and you. And you go on to Facebook, <laughs> you are not going to get drawn to the happy as much as to whatever makes sure. you angry. I think that's just in there. What you can do, which is what I'm trying to do, is just be like, okay, I'm just not going to consume. I'm not going to drink from this fountain because I know this fountain is bad for my mental health. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really tough to like drink from the fountain of Twitter, but not get caught up in uh the outrage, unless you follow three people, unless you follow like Naval Ravikant mm-hmm. and two other ec- yeah. economists or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, but anyway, I'd have to watch more about that hearing. But I was just struck by that one line of no, we don't. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, dude. Yeah, yeah. That seems kind of silly. Well, the interesting thing is, I don't know if this is true for everyone, but you said something interesting, which is as soon as you heard it, you didn't trust anything else he said. Mm -hmm. I think people feel like lies occur in isolation. Like it's like, oh yeah, I'll just say this, that we don't affect the election because in a vacuum, that's what I want people to think. Mm -hmm. Not realizing, okay, dude, you just gave up all your credibility for all the future questions. Mm -hmm. Like he might've been better off saying, yes to some degree but we've done studies and it's only three percent and we're working on not and blah 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 and then you would tune into his other answers at least or even you know if what he, I mean? even if he'd said which i believe he could believe i believe it's impossible that he believes the answer that he gave but i what he might believe is we could affect elections but we have purposely implemented policies to mm -hmm. tie our own hands so that we don't sure but that was not what he said. He said it was, it was no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying, I mean, this is just more something I'm thinking about because we always talk about honesty for your, for your own sake, for your integrity, for your mental health. But I also think it's dishonesty is just a bad long-term strategy. I think mm -hmm. like it works in small doses with people you're maybe not going to see uh, ever again, but like you'll be incredulous of Jack Dorsey until you forget that moment. Well, he's also earned cred with me with some of his philanthropic endeavors. So I actually don't, just personally, because he he gave a ton of coronavirus relief. Mm -hmm. He did some of the, you mentioned that he was giving like $5 million to test UBI. Uh, I actually believe his motives mostly, and I don't think he or anybody is a monolithic person such that one lie discounts them forever. Yeah, you, but, do, think, do, you do think two lies. Though. I mean, we have a friend who you would never believe anything they said. But it's more than two lies. <laughs> that's, sure. that's a constant stream. I know who you're talking about, but yeah. it's a constant stream. No, uh, I mean, I, I've, I tell, I have and told lies and, and try to catch them, but like, yeah, I can't, I can't be more severe on Jack than I am on everybody tells lies. This is what radical honesty makes you realize is that what you try to do is as often as possible is reset the ledger by coming clean, but you will just accumulate over the course of human life. Sure. Things that you've not been honest or. I guess the question is, does Jack think he lied? Because I think the, you're saying people lie on accident because mm. they're unclear of their own truth. I'm going to give him some credit here. He's sitting in front of Ted Cruz at a Senate Judiciary Committee. And he, everyone who works at Twitter might be like, you're not allowed to say this because then you're just inviting the feds to come in. And mm -hmm. quite frankly, the truth is that we don't affect the election, but really we could. So you just need to simplify that down to no and move on to the next question. I can imagine that there could be a set of pressures where that seemed like the right thing to do. Whereas on the Joe Rogan podcast, if they got into it, he might be a bit more explanatory of well we could and you know like well we we just choose not to i don't know i actually have at the end of the day i have a positive impression of him hmm. um but that that comes from just ha having seen him speak a handful of times and hearing about where he's put his some of his money not where he's put because i actually disagree with some of the places that he's put his money the fact that he has spread his money around he's generous yes makes me think that he's not just purely self-interested mm -hmm. um but I have other stuff. Do you want to hop? Too? Sure. I mean, one thing I'll say, I don't think anyone's purely self. Like people mm -hmm. rag on Bezos because he has so much money. I don't think Bezos is purely self-interested. Yeah, yeah. I don't think any of these people are purely self-interested. No, no. No, he's not. He's not the devil incarnate for sure. Uh, and I don't I don't think he's a bad guy necessarily. I was just like, <laughs> okay, the rest of this video, at least for the next eight minutes, I don't believe a word you say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, we talked about Jocko last time and his extreme ownership mm -hmm. philosophy. So I got a little bit deeper in the book. I am not done, but I... I think I understand it a bit more. We were asking questions around well, what happens if I take ownership of something that rightfully is like 
I should not have been. And then we then we treat me as the bottleneck that needs to be removed. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, the organization is weaker for having removed the extreme or the extreme ownership person. Mm-hmm. It really isn't about uh, the truth of who is responsible. I realize it's about setting an example that mm-hmm. encourages other people to do the same. And that's what a lot of his stories illustrate, which is, look, if I take extreme ownership beyond what really is in my control, it's kind of like I shoot for the moon and land in the stars type thing while inspiring other people to do the same. But if I try to divvy up and say, this is mine, this is yours, this is mine, this and yours, I encourage that behavior down the chain of command. Mm. And instead of being perfect, where we now have 100% of the responsibility accounted for, People are cheating on the edges. And so there's these gaps in like who should have made that thing work. Mm. Uh, so it does make more sense to me as uh, as just an effective way mm-hmm. to do things, even if it's not dead philosophically honest in terms of I, I can't control everything, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but I will take responsibility for uh, the issues. And I, and I frequently see this was something that Eisenhower did kind of oddly enough, similar to the no teeth ask, when you prostrate yourself in front of a board of directors or in front of the president of the United States or the generals or whatever, and you take ownership of something that everybody knows isn't really your fault, mm-hmm. they tend not to fire you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they tend to go, this is our this is our girl, this is our guy, let's stick with them. Um, so that's that's just the little tweak that I have seen in, in what he's doing. Didn't so, you have a, when you were in consulting, didn't you have a screw up that you thought they were going to beat you down for but you just beat yeah. yourself down first and then they were they switched to your side oh yeah that was there? so i <laughs> so i was trying to get out of consulting mm-hmm. i effectively made my first move when i moved in with you and slept on your floor and i told them hey guys i'm i'm no longer going to be working here but i'm willing to help and mm-hmm. because i handled that conversation well they gave me a contractor position instead of an employee uh there was one day where we had a light workload and I was trying to transition out of even that contractor thing to anything else. So I was picking up like random modeling gigs at the mm. time, which is embarrassing. This particular <laughs> one is awful. I've had people find this magazine, which I will not, not name. name. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it had a shoot in the afternoon. So I like got all the work that I had to get done, done. It was a Friday afternoon. Yep. And then like got on a bus to go do this thing. Well, last minute on a Friday... Something comes up. Mm. Got to go talk to the client. And this never happens. Like, mm. we do government work. They don't get stuff done last minute on a Friday. And so I'm getting phone calls that I'm just, like, uh, like taking on a bus. I'm not totally there. I'm on mute. Like, I'm trying to trying to do it. And so I'm not effective, not very present. And quite frankly, they didn't need me. They just wanted they, all, all of these meetings. I was the guy who just sat there quietly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, Monday rolls around. And I know I'm screwed. Calls me up. And pick up the phone first thing Monday morning goes well you shit the bed and I was like uh (laughs) I was like that's a little severe don't you think (laughs) no but but in that moment what I did I don't know what came over me I guess I'd been planning or practicing I was like you're totally right didn't fight him in outs Mm -hmm. it's like you're totally right I screwed up shouldn't have done it I've got no excuse uh, and I did have excuses. Like, we never do this on Fridays. And you yeah, guys yeah. you guys have kind of told me that I could be loose with the time and you didn't need me there anyway. And these are all, in my opinion, valid reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, even to this day, I think they're valid reasons. Like, mm-hmm. you guys didn't even need me. Stop, don't get on my case. Yeah. You're pretending that you did. But within 30 seconds of just like absorbing those punches, he's like, okay, look, I'm gonna tell the other guys it's not a big deal. 
yeah. <laughs> and so then he went to bat for me for all the other people in he flipped from my biggest critic to my biggest champion uh just because i let him punch me yeah three times and was like you i deserve this <laughs> so what'd you say you just said you're absolutely right I you're no absolutely excuses. right i have no excuses i screwed up, I, screwed up. Uh, I shouldn't have done it man i let you down uh it won't happen again and what's funny to me is like it's kind of a lie like i let you down give me a fucking break you didn't need me yeah, like yeah, yeah. this is just your ego looking for something to scream at if well, i'm yeah. being dead honest well, technically, i guess you did let down his expectations <laughs> sure i let you down your didn't affect him negatively. yes yes the effect the negative impact of this was zero yeah. like let's be real and just, if if i were uh trying to be philosophically as honest as possible and not account for human emotion that might be what i said because it's just true given this particular set of circumstances but yeah people respond Differently when you're like, it was, you know, my fault, extreme ownership. You took extreme ownership. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I think weirdly enough, extreme ownership is a really effective, practical way to get more done than you could the other way. Mm -hmm. But it's only that because humans are so irrational and are not interested in the truth mm. of, uh, it was the weather. People like, don't give me excuses. And the truth is I don't need to excuse my behavior. I can offer you reasons that this happened that might give you a more sophisticated understanding but really what's happening in that interaction is i'm just stroking your ego mm -hmm. i'm telling you that you're right which enables you to cool off and feel like oh shit i've overstepped i've just hurt this person and now i feel bad let me reciprocate the kindness that they showed me and letting me feel like a big tough guy as i screamed at them mm -hmm. uh it's just not true yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's very effective to do that but it isn't an, an honest representation of things which you know i think that that is often the case in human interaction is that you have to to be effective account more for human emotions than you do for your best crack at describing reality which mm. is just interesting yeah yeah interesting. uh i have a couple more things do you want to tell me yours i mean do you I, I only if you're ready to just be bummed out about stuff all right I'll, I'll i'll wait a little bit uh so you had mentioned something this week that it was in line i watched David Letterman talks to Kim Kardashian. So he has this Netflix thing where he ah, gets yep. he gets people and she came on. And the overwhelming feeling that I had that I that I try to remind myself of often and this is a fantastic interview for it is that you do not want Kim Kardashian's life mm -hmm. for a number of reasons. One she just had some tragedy. I mean her dad died when she was young, right? She had the OJ Simpson thing which pit her divorced father and her divorced mother if people don't know. Kim Kardashian's father was best friends with O.J. Simpson and her mother was best friends with Nicole Brown. And mm -hmm. Kim Kardashian's father became a lawyer for O.J. Simpson while her mother was convinced that he'd killed her best friend. Mm. And so she's going back and forth between these families as they just hate each other. Mm. Uh, she's got paparazzi before the age of 16, like trying to figure out what's going on with the Kardashians. Uh, she's just got all this other stuff. She discovered... Uh, Caitlyn Jenner, I guess Bruce Jenner at the time, dressing like a woman and then was like sworn to secrecy, you know, because if if her mom had found out, then that would ruin everything. So she had to keep the secret and How didn't know. She? she at the time, I would guess was at home. What not that old, like around college age. Got it. And was uh just, you know, didn't know what it was. Google was just starting, was sure, looking sure. up, like, why would this happen? Uh, and then was robbed, tied up in Paris. 
And the way that that happened is Kanye bought her a multi-million dollar ring. These people had been tailing her for two or three years, saw that she had the ring in Paris and planned everything out, came, tied her up. Uh, she thought she was going to be raped or killed, uh, left her in the bathtub in her robe, just completely tied as they, as they jacked all the jewelry. And today she can't sleep without six bodyguards mm. in close in somewhere nearby. Mm. And it's just like, man, you do not want what she has yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like all of this aspirational be like that i'm not saying she's a bad person i'm just saying that's like a rough deal yeah yeah well, dude, <laughs> so i mean it's amazing that you watch this at the same time that i was watching i watched the last dance mm -hmm. highly recommend it i know i'm late to the party on that but it's mm -hmm. a netflix documentary about uh, michael jordan and some people might listen to you and say well yeah obviously no one wants to be kim kardashian like she's it's fun to watch but like that's not who you aspire to be but michael jordan had be like mike that mm -hmm. was the catchphrase. Mm -hmm. Everyone wanted to be like Mike. That's why they wore Air Jordans. And this documentary catches him at one point. Uh, they knock on his hotel door. And he opens the door. He's like, oh, come on, guys. Just give me a break. Leave me alone. And they're like, oh, like now, now's the only time you're free. To make it uh, succinct, he basically says, this is the best part of my day until you guys showed up. Mm -hmm. I'm alone in a hotel room, smoking a cigar and drinking a beer. Mm -hmm. And it's the highlight of my day. And this is the most rich, famous, successful tonight. He goes, after I leave this hotel, I will be swarmed by questions, paparazzi. I will not have a single piece of any, like any time to myself. Kids will uh, feel completely destroyed if I don't stop and talk to every single yeah, one of yeah. them. And he said, it's awful. And by the way, then I'm going to get to the basketball court and I'm going to have to focus harder than any of you have ever focused on anything because I'm trying to be the best in the world. And he's just, he straight up says at one point, like, you, no one wants to be like me. People say all the time, like, oh, I wish I could be like you for a day. It's like, you wouldn't want to be me for a year, mm -hmm. just straight up. And I thought that's just so interesting because you see Bieber has said the same thing. Yeah. You were seeing it in the Kim thing. The, the number one job, at least from something I read, that teenagers want these days is to be an influencer, which is to say, to be famous without really providing much. Like if you want to be a famous inventor, <laughs> yeah, yeah, God bless you, you know what I mean? Like Edison, Tesla, we know their names because they contributed to the world in, in a society changing way. But if you want to be an influencer, if that's what you're taking at 16, like you're not really focused on generating value. You just want to be famous. Mm -hmm. All the famous people that you talk to will tell you this is a terrible thing. This is way worse than yeah, just yeah. being a normal person. And I just thought it was interesting because you see it, you see it, you just see him. You don't often get these behind the scenes looks. I wouldn't want to be alone in a hotel room drinking a beer by myself. That's not the highlight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would yeah. not be the highlight of my day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, Which means that, that you probably had a better day than he did. Yes. Yeah. Regularly. Mm -hmm. He has the highest highs, you know, holding yeah. the championship trophy, crying from joy. But that those tears of joy are pent up over a year of making sacrifices in his personal life and his professional and, life. And everyone says being an asshole, it, like yes. being just a, a ruthless Steve Jobs, same way. Like, no, and you he, and don't Jordan, get great without misery. And that's I, what he's saying. He's saying I, people can say I was a bully, but I brought the best out of them. He yeah. doesn't say he wasn't a bully. Yeah. He's just like, that's how we got to six. I brought the best out of not just myself, but my teammates. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's true. It doesn't look like a pleasant experience you know what i mean and that's why he retired twice in his prime it's because he was just burning out yeah, yeah and i just thought it was interesting because uh certainly many 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 more people would opt for more fame in their life than less <laughs> as a percentage of the population and it's a, just a bad goal of like. the people that got there i don't know i mean i've heard will smith be like i like being famous he's one of the few but i think of russell brand who took a huge step back mm -hmm. i think of john mayer who took a huge step back uh it just seems to be 
consistent that when you actually get there, you can't stay there for long without becoming completely disenchanted. Mm-hmm. Now, the people that that I think weirdly enough sometimes struggle the most are the people that never break through and are convinced, ah, it's kind of a nice place to be, convinced that the next thing will will finally yeah, yeah. bring it to you. The the wannabe reality TV stars, you know, that are that are constantly trying to get there. It's an exciting place to be. But even as someone, you mentioned a couple of the things, you know, having people want to ask you questions. I have never been anywhere near the level of fame that people were talking about, but I've been at events where people want to talk to you. And it's interesting because there was a point in my life where I wanted nothing more than mm-hmm. for people to ask me questions about myself. But when I'm at these events, I want nothing less than for people to ask me questions yeah, about yeah, yeah. myself. Like, talk about you. Like, no. I, like, please, please, I don't, I'm so bored of myself at this point. And I think that it's funny because you just, that Goldilocks zone is called hanging out with your friends and family. Yep. <laughs> and then, and whatever it is that you think strangers are going to bring to you. Well, dude, that's, I does, mean, that, it doesn't help. That ties into another thing I wanted to talk about today. Um, this is, it's cliche, but I'm just seeing all this stuff in real time from different areas of my life. Uh, we watched the UFC. Khabib yeah. Nurmagomedov, best lightweight Nurgamanov. ever, maybe the best UFC fighter ever. His dad passed away this year. Mm-hmm. He's absolutely in his prime, undefeated, just an absolute beast. He wins his UFC fight, I guess spoilers guys, <laughs> and break he cries harder than I have cried since I was a child. And this guy is known for being a literally wrestling bears He's as a, a child. He's he is like but but Beyond badass, macho. Like mm-hmm. you wouldn't expect tears from this particular guy. No, he cries so hard. Mm-hmm. And then I go to watch The Last Dance. Two days later, there's a scene. Michael Jordan's dad passes away. He wins the championship. And he goes into lock. Everyone's celebrating. He goes in the locker room alone and he sobs. Like like harder than I've ever seen an adult male cry in real life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And of course, because we're savages. Like everyone runs in and points cameras at him and someone just puts a towel over his head to give him some privacy. And then I think about Kobe when he won the championship yeah. and his dad didn't come to the game and how he looks so sad. It's like, man, all these people <laughs> are at the absolute top of their uh, profession. They're famous, they're rich, and they really, really just seem to care more about their dads than yeah. about any of it. And uh, and Habib retired. And he said, I'm not coming back without my dad. Yes. He said, everyone out there, spend time with your parents. You don't know when they're going away. And, and I- I'm going to go spend time with my mom because I don't know how much longer we have together and i'm not going to fight anymore and he absolutely for those of you who don't know is or could have been the undisputed greatest of all time Mm -hmm. uh with two more fights yeah so i don't even know what to do with it but it seems like we as a society and as individuals we orient on the wrong stuff Mm -hmm. it seems like the more oriented we are in fame or even wealth or high level of success is is appears to be from the people at the top detrimental relative to just focusing on close familial relationships and close friendships. Uh, but my thing that I was trying to figure out and I have no answer to is like, how do you convince people to pursue that? You know what I mean? Yeah. How do you, how do you get 50% of teenagers to go? My goal when I grow up is to have a close relationship with my family and friends instead of wanting to be influencers. I think whatever you can do to raise awareness and this is I think it's why they call it waking up when you're quote enlightened. But I think there's processes of waking up. And so one of the things we've talked about is like the prediction spreadsheet mm-hmm. where you have the list of things you're going to do and you predict how happy they'll make you. That's one codified way to do it. But every kid technically has the data that they need about Instagram mm-hmm. in the sense that they've had a photo that got them a lot of likes. And if they paid close attention, 
they could see that it did nothing for them. Yeah. It it gave them momentary spike and then set the bar of likes that I is necessary. Say, mostly just creates a hunger to if you pay attention to do it again. It, to it how these, like a weird Yeah. If you pay attention closely to how the the events in your life make you feel, you have all the data you need. Mm. The problem is that people don't pay careful or close attention to that stuff. Uh you know, it's it's a rare person that has never had some of the success that they desire. Mm. What is what is even more rare is a person that sees that, oh wow, like this isn't working. Mm. <laughs> you know, that that bit part that I got to be an actor didn't make me better. And then when I got that movie in the film, or the role in the film as the secondary, that didn't make me feel much better. And then like uh, that's what Jim Carrey says. I wish you could all have it all. Yeah. So that you could realize that it doesn't. It doesn't. No, I think the only exception would be if you're like Hugh Jackman and you love acting. And I know he loves acting because when he was the biggest movie star in the world, he, he went to do plays. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's like, hey guys, like I know I'm Wolverine and I could do any role I want in the world. I could go get anything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go sing on a stage. I want to sing. In front of 500 people. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, see you guys in a couple years when the next Wolverine comes out. And it's like, yeah, that's yeah. a guy that likes acting. Yeah. You know what I mean? He tells the funny story of, of he has to pee yeah you told me this yeah, and, yeah. He, and he he's missing it everybody's looking at him he's got this this song and it's got a high note towards the end and he's just blown the whole song because if you squeeze to get the power that you need you will pee, pee yourself, yourself yeah. in this thing and so he's getting to the end and everybody's just looking at him like what the hell happened to yeah, you, you? Sound and he's like screw it <laughs> he just lets it rip for the big note at the end completely pisses himself yep. to rousing applause yep that's love of the game. Man. That's, that's that's a guy who wants to be out there singing. You yeah. Know? No, yeah, but it's I, I don't have a real a strong takeaway. I guess my the reason I'm sharing is just in my own life. I was like, all right, like this is the lesson is for me, really, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I'm gonna try to do that. I'm gonna try to focus on like, family and friends. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there, there's the hierarchy, which is true. I think that there's a degree. We talk about the two mountains, and this isn't to say that look if you're if you're starting. At the beginning of your career or your life, I think achievement and distinguishing yourself and all that stuff mm-hmm. is totally appropriate. Get some, get some praise, get some acknowledgement from your peers, get get some money. But it really does like just peter off very quick, and the continued pursuit will make you miserable after. Uh, and you can figure out what that is with social media followers, cash, yeah, no. uh, prestige, etc. But it's not it's not a high bar. <laughs> and this is obviously this isn't a novel thought. It's very cliche, but it just got hammered home to me watching Khabib break down and cry mm-hmm. and then two days later watching jordan win a championship and break down and cry yeah. and just go these guys don't they fucking trade it all for their dads you're luckier than they are which yeah. is the hard thing to to wrap your head around is is everybody sitting there that has a relationship with people like take your father in this case mm-hmm. uh you're luckier than that which is crazy i promise so would go back to being completely unknown and hand back all the belts to bring his dad back yeah for it a handful of years yeah no it made it um, obvious <laughs> And that was all. I was like, okay, cool. Because I, t- I, dude, to be clear, like, I'm, I'm human. Mm-hmm. I orient towards views. I orient mm-hmm. towards money. Like, I guess that's the reason that it it was impactful to me is because it's a reminder of myself. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. The best thing I can do is call home more often. Yeah. So. Yeah. I hate to say it, man, but psychedelics, that's what that's what keeps me on the straight and narrow. <laughs> <laughs> You've never said that before. That's a novel. Dude, that's wait, a novel what do you thought. mean? Can you talk? Sorry, that? Charlie, do you like? <laughs> all right. You want to do the thing that really fucked up my day? Sure, I got a handful more, but we can do yours. All right. If you want to have your day ruined, <laughs> Google Reddit officer literally beats the living crap out of a man with a mental illness. Uh, I tend to be of the impression that the news is very manipulative. Oftentimes, I think when someone is shot by police, you don't get the full story of what happened. 
And so I'm not I'm not one who thinks, you know, necessarily all cops are bastards. I think it's stupid to say that about any group. I don't think that's all Black Lives Matter protesters are describable in a sentence. I don't think all cops are. But this video is fucked up, man. And it really does highlight. Uh, we've talked about before about how uh, people need to cut some cops slack because the mm -hmm. job's really hard. And I think that's true. And sometimes if someone's shooting at you, you return fire mm -hmm. like this dude comes up to a clearly mentally disabled person. The body cam footage is, is out there and has no empathy for the person's uh, situation, demands that they stay in the car, then switches to demanding they get out of the car, then tases them when they can't get out of the car. And this person is physically disabled and he yeah. can't get his hand behind his back. And he's like, get your hand behind your back. And he's like, sir, I have a condition. And he's trying, dude, this person's mentally handicapped. They're like yeah. trying to, their best, but... Uh, starts pistol whipping him with the taser. He's already tasing him and start, and you just watch it. You're like, we need us. We need better accountability and we need mm -hmm. better training. Uh, it will make you sad or mad, um, but it was useful. The guy got to resign so he could keep his pension. He wasn't even fired. Wow. And so it's like, listen, I don't think police are a monolith. I really don't I think there's tons of good cops. I think this guy is a, in that moment was a bad, bad person. And the crazy part is that there's just no penalty. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I think I'm not a fan of completely defunding police. I'm not a fan of disbanding police, but like we got it. We, we, I'm on board with like, we need a better system for people to be punished for that so that you just disincentivize them from doing that. Yeah. Cause this dude just gets to rock off with his pension and the dude, the guy is the mentally disabled person is literally just bleeding out from the head in the street mm -hmm. and it's awful. So, um, I guess my plea is for everyone to have nuance, <laughs> not want to kill all the cops, but also not think that everything that's done by a cop is good. And the video just reminded me of like, yeah, there's some fucking bad. There's just some bad stuff being done mm -hmm. uh, by everybody. That yeah. includes some cops. Yeah. The, the question is, what can be done? Uh, there will always in any group of people mm -hmm. be bad things that occur, especially as the group gets large enough. The yep. question is, how does the structure of the organization or the systems that you have around it contribute or limit that? Mm -hmm. And it certainly seems like like body cam footage is a really good thing. We've it's talked great. about this in the past. It's great, dude. You're, it's a you're, really good thing. That protects, up, that protects everybody. Dude, you came up with a great solution, I thought, which is when body cam footage malfunctions, find the shit out of the precinct. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you have two options. You can say this person turned it off, which is what happens some of the times. Mm -hmm. And we'll punish that individual police accordingly. Mm -hmm. Or you can say it malfunctioned, which shouldn't happen often, especially if you set up a system. It place. doesn't matter. We will. It doesn't. If, if it ever happens in an important case, like you are just. This is what I'm saying. We are going now to you're creating an incentive you. to make yeah. sure the body cams Work. are functional. You'll yeah. have a tech guy making sure they're all spiffy. And uh, I think that could result in a lot less lost body cam footage, mm -hmm. for example. I just I really believe that uh, incentives are the key. And so I have to, incentives. I'd have to learn more about it. But what who are the people making the decision about whether this guy keeps his pension? What is the it's relationship with him? Fired, yeah. And it's and you could look at that system and be like, well, that doesn't look like a jury of his peers. It looks like a jury of his friends. I imagine you know, like I imagine it's his police chief who he's very close which to. Could, and could you imagine a legal system that was like, I select my jury when I'm accused of a crime yeah. and they'll, they'll, they'll meet out punishment? Dude, I'm a fine. Let's say. And by the way, it happens in every industry with police. It's violence in the financial yeah. industry. It's insider trading or yeah. theft. But imagine if I am an insider trading on Wall Street and then I go to court and my jury is, is your coworkers. all my pro <laughs> high profile finance guys yeah. are in the jury and, and they know when they get caught, that's going to be their jury, too. Yeah, yeah. Not guilty, baby. No yeah. insider trading here. So, so so it seems like there's pretty uh, 
some of some of them are obvious things. I think the body cam is, and I don't know what third parties are set up. I don't know how they interact with one another. I don't know what the what the incentive structure is. But clearly, there's a problem, and and this this case does not prove or deny that. But it's it seems like the thin blue line is something that I've heard a lot, and meaning you. I don't know if it's the thin blue line, but it's the idea that you don't turn on another cop. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't rat out another cop because you are going through the same thing, even sure. if you don't like what they've done. Um, Which is, dude, you can have that rule. You just mm-hmm. don't. You just then you just create a different body. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. charge of deciding if this person can resign that or that does has not to be have that same disgrace. sentiment. Like, yeah, that's all. Okay, mm-hmm. don't turn on each other. We're just gonna have a, a different person making this decision. And they might, but also the question is then, what are you know? How does how does that agency interact? What mm-hmm. are, all that kind of stuff becomes important. Yeah, um, but yeah, if you want to ruin your day, watch that video. No, no thanks. I watched it and uh, it was awful. <laughs> Very good. Here's here's another. Uh, Strongly hypocritical, but really interesting thing. I'm reading a lot about presidents lately. So Jefferson, who you know had Monticello, had slaves, uh, had a had a child with a slave, wrote very strongly about the abomination of 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 slavery. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if it was the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution. I I I think it was the Constitution where he wrote the first draft and included a scathing condemnation of slavery, Hmm. and owned slaves his whole life <laughs> his whole life and you know what the, the, this, oh sorry and then never set them free at the end of his life in yeah. order to pay off debts brett weinstein would approve of this though mm-hmm. in the sense that like he tried to create systemic change mm-hmm. and the change didn't start with himself mm-hmm. well and this is i we, we could perhaps have a longer conversation about what did he call it the vortex of personal responsibility i forget exactly what it is but uh i feel like jefferson would have been more effective if that was his true aim, if he had been able to figure out, well, why can't I let go of this? Yeah, yeah. It's like, cause it's, it makes your life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. I, I presume. Sure. Um, but maybe, and then, you know, I, I don't know the entire interaction of it, but it's just fascinating. Uh, and I think a lot of us live in a similar way, which is where we have strong opinions about child labor, but purchase clothes <laughs> that, that are completely f- cheap because of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think if you look at consumption habits for just about every american you'll find that split and then when you see someone like greta thunberg who like sails to america to to talk about climate change you're like who is this crazy individual who like lives out their principles and will not contribute to something that they say is an abomination uh it's just i didn't know she did that she did that she yeah she got like a i don't know how it took it took weeks yeah of course (laughs) you know for her to get here interesting um but yeah but you know, most people, Al Gore flies on private planes. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 a bigger he's a bigger contributor to CO2 than just about every anybody who's ever walked the planet. Um and so it's it's is his impact from the video and the inconvenient truth out does that outweigh his personal contribution to co2 is the fact that jefferson uh spoke out against slavery or at least tried does that did that make the world a better place despite the fact i think the number one person that should get thanked for ending slavery is actually whoever invented the cotton gin yeah maybe Uh, it seems like tech comes first and then morality comes second that's why i'm convinced everyone will be we'll stop eating we will stop doing factory farming once there's cheap high quality lab-grown meat That's my hypothesis. Yeah, yeah. The tech comes first. Why? We'll stop burning fossil fuels when solar panels are just as effective and cheaper. Mm-hmm. You know? It doesn't and then... Seem, it doesn't seem like we're <laughs> going to do it beforehand, though. And then we'll look back and condemn all of our ancestors yes. 
for doing what uh, because we're more noble, yes. despite the fact. No, I think I think the we've spoken about this before, but the general idea is people are as moral as they feel abundant. Uh, when you put someone in a dire, dire situation where they're starving to death, and mm. then ask them, okay, what are your principles? Are you willing to steal now? Obviously, would you kill? Most would. You know, mm. like when you put people in difficult enough situations the morality just completely dips. Yeah. And so as you increase, then it's like, look, everything's taken care of, you got all this. Do you want a slave? It's like, no, slavery, what an abomination. It's like, okay, here's some lab-grown meat. Do we, do we need to kill cows? I could never, yeah, I love yeah. cows. They're basically like dogs. Yeah, but, all, but, but that only tends to happen yeah. when, uh, when people feel in abundance, which is why, and I don't think morality is the end-all be-all. We've talked about how I think um, identifying more with the world might be a, a more evolved way of being, but a good measure of your morality is how much inconvenience you yeah, yeah. <laughs> you apply to yourself. Like, do you walk or bike ride to work for forty five minutes, like our friend, in order to not have a car through the rain and then have to like? Is that why cheat? he does it? Is it because he doesn't want to burn? I actually just think he's got like he's just he's just a nut. He's just a nutcase who like goes in the soaking rain on his bike yeah. to to work in the morning, but. Yeah, the how how inconvenienced are you by your principles? By your ethics, yeah, uh, that's a pretty good indicator of how history will look on your yeah. type of behavior. It's easy to not own slaves when you have apps for everything, and if you owned a slave, you'd go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> it's the easiest time ever to not own a slave. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but would you, with your current set of ethics and principles, in the year eighteen hundred, born into a plantation family, would you set them free? And the only way to answer that question is like, all right, well, let's take all this stuff that you've been given yeah, in yeah. this life and have have you completely given it away? Yeah, you don't have an iPhone because of the cadmium mining and you don't yeah. have Nikes because of the child labor and you don't you have you bike because you don't like CO2. You yeah. might have set your slaves free. Yeah, you, know? yeah. you have a real. But it's a rare it. and it's important to recognize it was a rare individual who did that. Yep. Um, so I'm still learning about it. I believe John Adams was one of the few that didn't have slaves and actually like lived. Uh, well, so a lot of people do it all after their death. They're like, I got all. I think Washington I squeezed, did. I squeezed all the juice out of this, and now yeah, I think Washington did that. Here but, you go. But it's interesting. Um, yeah, the founding, the founding guys. There's also this weird mythology around these guys. So I, I try to to parse that out. But but they do seem larger than life when you mm. when you check it out. The other fascinating thing as I'm reading about them is all the stuff that were like those geniuses. Man, they fought tooth and nail over stuff that we think is so obvious. Like, mm. should there be a constitution? Uh, as far as I'm, I'm still getting into it, but Jefferson wasn't sure that the dead should rule the living was how he put it. Like this is tyranny of the dead over the living. Like mm -hmm. if we encode all this stuff. And so they, they really, it wasn't obvious yeah, <laughs> what yeah. they were doing. Should we, uh, should we revolt against England? A lot of people were like, no, we mm -hmm. need to like make peace. And they extended the olive branch and all this kind of stuff. So it's, it's heartening to see just how confused. Sure these uh giants of men which were just probably normal to people <laughs> probably uh, shorter than average they were compared to they, today apparently george washington was a giant at six two yeah yeah <laughs> he was like the no, tallest guy nutrition and that's just how it works <laughs> yeah they weren't that tall um so i'm still learning a lot about about it i don't have a ton to add but just a handful of little interesting tidbits like that nice anything else this is a weird one uh just in terms of how much we're being spied on i was listening to the tim ferris podcast and he was he was talking about a sponsor and at the same time I was opening up Safari and it said Siri listening and then it linked to the sponsor. No, I hadn't said anything and I had yeah. headphones in. So it was, it's not like it, it was being played. But yeah, I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, you know exactly what I'm listening to. You know what sponsor he's talking about. And you just Siri suggested link to it. Hmm. Like 
All right. Well, this is the future. Yeah. And what did you are. did you call nine one one? Did no, you? No, no, no. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, did I don't you think it's illegal? Did you throw out your iPhone and go, "I won't take this"? It is funny. the The privacy frog has been so effectively boiled. And I don't actually think that's true, that you can boil a frog and it won't jump out. But let's just pretend that that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be uh, one of those those stories that is just like, no, that's not what frogs do. Yeah, they just, they they just the fuck they leave. <laughs> it's only humans that are that silly. Uh, it's, yeah, we've, it's kind of like old age. If it all set in at once, people would freak out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it's like, you just do it step by step by step and... You, you just moved on with your day. I had no takeaway except for it's pretty crazy that that's where we've gotten. Because I remember back in the day, it was like... That was the threat Facebook that your phone would be listening to you. Listening yeah. on you. Yeah. No, that's that is Ill, that's illegal. It's immoral. Mm -hmm. That's 1984. Mm -hmm. It's not even Facebook, dude. It's my phone. It's yeah. just my... like. It's not like an app I can delete. My own phone is just like, oh, is this the podcast? Well, we know exactly what he's saying. Mm -hmm. He's talking about this company. Here it is. Yeah. You guys don't listen to all my conversations, though, right? <laughs> yeah, this is just a podcast thing, surely. It's like, no, dude, everything you've ever said, they're listening to. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll have to do some more research on the platforms and stuff because it seems like this is becoming a, an increasingly important issue. And maybe we'll get Brett back on the podcast. Have you have you heard back from them? No. Got it. So we're trying to figure out Brett Weinstein was uh, had a tweet. He had his Facebook page removed and then reinstalled. And Unity 2020 was blocked from Twitter. Um, and he really... It's confusing because he tends to be a very even-tempered, not hyperbolic yeah. writer, speaker, tweeter, etc. So the people, so he was like, "What is going on?" Uh, and I don't know the answer, so I'd, I'd like to get more of that story from him. But we can maybe do that in the future. Yep. Just hope we don't uh, upset our tech overlords. <laughs> Anything else that you want to add? Let me see. I mean, PA is rioting. That doesn't that doesn't bode well for Joe Biden. I don't have much to say beyond that, though. No, I don't know if you want to talk about it. Well, it's not necessarily PA. It's uh, parts of Philadelphia. So yeah. I spoke to my sister lives in Philadelphia. She feels completely untouched by it. So it's it was very much kind of like I think our experience in LA, which is we happened to be on the block where yeah. the rioting was occurring. It was a big deal. You drive five minutes, they're kind of just going on with their life if they're not in a commercial area. Yeah. And so I think that that seems to be what's happening in Philadelphia. So I do wonder how much it's going to impact the election. I don't know. I just, so from my limited understanding, it looks like this election, Pennsylvania, is what people are calling the most important state. Mm -hmm. And I think historically the polls, which who knows how reliable they are, they show that when riots occur, it tends to hurt Biden. Mm -hmm. So I, I was just like, oh, there's a riot the week of the election mm -hmm. in the most important state. Like. Who knows? I, the, the only thing I feel is that uh, I felt I liked the the bet that I made for Trump in 2016. I felt like I saw something that not yeah. a lot of people were seeing at the beginning. I feel very lost this election cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, people had asked me to, to make a prediction in the video. I said, I'm just kind of going to go with Biden because it seems like that's what's polling high. And it seems like Trump isn't doing as well. He's since, I think, done a lot better since that first debate. Mm. I think I think his third debate was the strongest. Uh, the moderators helped him tremendously, in my opinion. Cutting his mic off helps him a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, or at least did in this in this last one. So, yeah, I just don't know. I don't know if, if the polls are to be trusted or I'm I'm way out of my depth with this. So people ask me for the thing. It's like, I'm not the guy. Yeah, yeah. Not not this time. Maybe another time, maybe when there's a more charismatic candidate, I can, I can pop in, but mm. I don't see it right now. You think it's going to go off without a hitch? Because I feel like my number one prediction here if i had to make one is that this is going to be a dicey decision i, I don't know because like, with all the mail-ins yeah it's it's i feel like we're gonna some get hanging chads i think i feel like we're <laughs> gonna have a hanging chad 
re- repeat. I, I feel like the six three Supreme Court might matter a lot. Actually, yeah, yeah. I don't know enough about about mail in voting. I know that there are people that say it's a big deal. It's not a big deal. So I'll I'll. Oh, I tongue. just mean like that. Yeah, like Trump's already seeding, like planting the seeds, right? Mm-hmm. If they, if they say that we lost, it's because of bogus mail in voting. So mm-hmm. I just imagine. I imagine that if he loses, he's not going to be like, "All right, I'll see you guys later. Good." Good game. GGs. Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be cool though? 2021 shit just calms down. <laughs> Coronavirus vaccine comes out. Everybody's just chilling. <laughs> Happy back to normal. Economy kicks butt. Do you any other go. things before we go to questions? No, no, we can go to questions. Cool. Let's do it. Nice. First one is there are parts of Germany where denying the Holocaust can get you fined, even jailed. Hmm. Inciting violence with your words also warrants government interference. There are many examples that are considered a hate crime. Even if there are circumstances where there is no penalty from the state, there are many scenarios where expressing hate speech is outright unacceptable. So how do we define that line? Because one could argue that the cartoons are a form of hate speech as they target one specific group. Charlie Hebdo cartoons. Yeah. Got it. Um, A comparison can be made to the use of the N-word as well, in my opinion. Would Mm -hmm. love to hear you guys discuss this. So Germany is different than the U.S. We actually, I don't know that we have specific hate speech laws on the books. That's more of a Twitter thing. Can I hop in? Yeah. So you said... Let's say these Charlie Hebdo cartoons are similar to the N-word. Mm-hmm. I'm almost positive that you can. South Park had an entire episode that was yeah. about saying the N-word, right? You, It is not a federal or state government crime I could be to wrong. say I the think, N-word. I think they fought for it. They were like, you can't censor, you can't censor. And then I think they won. I think that entire episode was just like, I mean, Dave Chappelle. Can we say the N-word as much as possible? Chappelle. Yeah, Dave Chappelle did it. Yeah. Um, I don't think that the writers for South Park or Dave Chappelle should be beheaded. So, Yeah. I'm, I guess I'm on the side of free speech here over it being. Well, well, or I mean, let's let's. I think everybody would agree with you there. Should the government curtail that? And it sounds like in America we have a different system, which is, uh, it's not illegal to do. Yeah, yeah. You can say that the Holocaust. We also have Holocaust deniers. Yeah. You can say that, the, and I think it's important that you can say that. Uh, so I, you know, this has been a really free speech has been such a topic this year, and I think it's been misused a lot. Where do you have free speech? Do you have it on these platforms? To what degree? Um, but let's just take speaking out loud. You can absolutely say profanity. You can mm-hmm. deny the Holocaust. You can do all of that, and no governmental body can stop you. And I think that is fantastic. Um, so I feel very comfortable with that. But you're right. It's not a clear line, and I think people often like to pretend it is. Like, what's an incitement to violence? Okay, what if I say we should kill fill-in-the-blank, name group is that that's an incitement to violence it would be good if someone killed sure uh the world would be a better place without you tell me where i'm inciting violence yeah, and yeah, where yeah. i'm not like i don't think it's no, that last one can still absolutely be it i mean if you're yeah. if you're bieber let's say and you have diehard fans yeah uh and you go yeah the world would be a better place without this person is good that, chance good chance someone tries <laughs> to kill that person or and what if they and who cares if they do like it, the the incitement is the crime not mm-hmm. not the follow-up so oh, no, i'm just saying i'm just saying that still is an incitement of violence yes so it's not obvious and i think that free speech absolutists uh they i guess they have a, a consistent thing but they they haven't really thought about what is entailed and when you're a free speech absolutist but you still think that it's appropriate that we have laws against slander and libel then you're not a free speech absolutist Mm -hmm. at that point so it's really dicey i don't have a clear thing but i if if you can say anything in the world over here including you can make up lies about a person say that they've done thing destroy their life and their business effectively because you have a bigger megaphone than they did and over here is the government or the tech platforms police 
what articles can be said, you know, what words can be said. You can't say profanity. You're not allowed to deny the Holocaust. You're not allowed to deny Sandy Hook. You're not allowed to do any of that. I would fall closer mm -hmm. to the absolutist, but not entirely. No, I like that slander and libel are illegal. Me too. Me too. And I think that's a that's a reasonable thing to do. But as we found, the bar to prove slander and libel is high. Yeah. It, you, if somebody says, for instance, uh, I think that that person is a pedophile. You cannot really get them for slander or yeah. libel because they they couched it in opinion. H three did it right. Yeah, he, he accidentally like sicked an army on an old man because he looked like a, a different guy who was a pedophile. Uh, it was Keemstar in that case. Oh, was it Keemstar? It was Got Keemstar. It. Uh, but it, but also we don't know what would have happened if he would sued him. He never sued him. He never brought it to a court. But the I think I spoke to some lawyers, you. and I think if you just if you if you say I think I think you're pretty solidly protected. It's crazy. And I, at first I was like, this is wild. But I get it. I get it because you 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 need people to be able to express a wide variety of opinions. But of course, what's the difference between an opinion and a fact? Okay, I think is an opinion. It seems to me I have good data that. I have scientific studies show that mm. I am 99% certain. At what point do I am I saying a fact? If I say I am 99.9% .9 certain, is that an opinion or a fact? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so none of this stuff is clear. Uh, and similar to the conversation we had about abortion, I think pretending that free speech is an obvious, it's obvious what should be done is not clear. So I'll even take these tech platforms. We talked about this with coronavirus. Let's let's pretend whatever out there. This is a new virus. It's called the Barona virus. <laughs> okay. It is lethal at an incredible level, but can be easily prevented with face masks. You are Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey. You see that catching steam are these people that are saying that it's fake. Mm -hmm. It's not real. And you have, you believe or have good data that 100 million extra people will die if you allow these people free speech on your platforms mm -hmm. because they're persuasive, what is to be done in that case? It To me, it's, it's I don't know. Because <laughs> then you go, okay, if, if you're right and 100 million people will die, it seems like utilitarian. You got to go with the greater good. We mm -hmm. shut these people up. We Or take a, say a billion. Say one out of every six humans will die as a result of this speech. Yeah. Uh, or eight, eight people, I guess, one in eight. Uh, it seems like the right thing to do. Let's say, though, in that same scenario that uh, Mark's wrong, <laughs> you know what I mean, that it's not actually that deadly, that it is, in fact, the case that the masks aren't important, that something else would do better, and we need to have that conversation. So free speech, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 to summarize, it's important, but very few people are truly free speech absolutists. I'm not. Yep. I'm not. And there were times where if I had controls over things, and data that said that half of the human race or a billion people would be exterminated if I allowed this group of people to effectively persuade them, I would not, I'd shut them up, mm -hmm. is the truth. And if you wouldn't, <laughs> for your principle, what if every human, except for you, what if it was every human that would be killed? Like you would just extinguish the human race at that point instead in of order, instead people. of censoring people? Uh, and these these are the types of philosophical arguments that need to be dealt with yeah. in order to handle it. Um, so no, and people are going to say, well, that's not the case. But the point is, if that it was could the case, be, it could be, and the you're case. okay with censoring yeah. them, then now the discussion isn't is where censorship always being wrong. It's where where's the line? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so 
as with many things, I don't have the answer. I do think that the issue is far more complicated. And I think these tech platforms have a ridiculously hard job Mm -hmm. of deciding. I mean, I I do believe that they believe that what they're doing is right. I think they think the coronavirus is more like the baronavirus that I that I said, where if people say the wrong thing, there's going to be just blood on their hands. And so they're trying to do the right thing in the most cases, which to them is to set to shut people up. Mm -hmm. So and very few people actually know because very few people are virologists. So yeah, yeah. Like, your opinion is largely based on what news you're consuming. And virologists have differing opinions. Yeah, yeah. You know no, I mean? I'm just saying, like, most <laughs> like, people can't even understand the literature yeah. if they dove in. Yeah, they yeah. get lost immediately. Yep. So we're all just parroting opinions. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Next is, I smoke weed every day and have consistently done so for at least the past three years. My perception on the drug has evolved over time, but if there's one thing I miss about it, that would have to be the feeling of being high prior to my tolerance becoming so resistant to the Mm. effects. I've played gigs high on several occasions, and while it's fun, I don't wish to do so every time. With all of that being said, I still enjoy the drug and wish to keep it in my life. How do I bring balance to my addiction? I don't want to cut it out completely, but I would like to separate the interconnectivity between marijuana and activities like driving, eating, performing, etc., while developing a relationship more akin to how it was when I began smoking weed. Mm. Graham Hancock has a really interesting TED Talk that you should watch where he was like this for 20 years. And he was, a, I think, a fairly prolific writer and uh, scientist. And then he did ayahuasca, and it just beat him up and was like, you need to stop. And I actually have a friend. I was just going to say this. Dude, it's funny. Ayahuasca gets it doesn't say tell everybody they can't smoke weed, but it tells the hardcore potheads <laughs> you got to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, for a period of time for a period of time and so we had a friend that he's like just so you know every time you've met me since we met three years ago i've been high i've oh, been I have high. two friends like this just to yeah be clear. oh really yeah and then so one, i sat one down with him the j one starts with the b yeah yeah i know the j uh he, we sat down with him he's like i haven't smoked for six months since i did ayahuasca mm-hmm. um but before that every time that you'd seen me i'd been high and had that was just mm-hmm. my life and he was a, a high performer you know relatively uh so how do you do it i i don't know. I've never smoked weed. I've never kicked weed. I have seen some of these psychedelic experiences lead to transformative results in this mm-hmm. particular area, though. The other thing is, so both these guys did ayahuasca, but then stopped cold turkey for a period of time before mm-hmm. slowly reintroducing yeah, it into yeah. their life. I also would say, if it's truly an addiction, you don't go to Alcoholics Anonymous and start with a beer a week. You know yeah. what I mean? You start cold. I think with Alcoholics Anonymous, you stay, you stay away from it forever. I don't know how addicted you are. I don't, I'm not an expert in this, but I think to the extent that it truly is an addiction, uh, there will be a period of time where you just completely stop smoking and it mm-hmm. will probably suck for a period of time. But since your question is, how do I kick this addiction or how do I modulate it? I think that's how you at least start is for three months or six months, you just go cold. Yeah. And I think ayahuasca might be able to help make that easy, but I don't know anyone who's been a drug addict or an alcoholic and just tailored back. Mm-hmm. I actually know someone who was an alcoholic, stopped cold turkey, had one drink at someone else's birthday party, and immediately went back to drinking heavily and doing yeah. cocaine. So I, I think that it's it seems to be with addiction, you don't dabble. And I think, well, every addictive substance has a different, you have to have a different relationship. If you're addicted to food, you can't, you have to dabble. (laughs) You can't just cut food cold turkey. So I do think there is a potential future in which you have a healthier relationship with weed. But my suspicion is just from the stories that I've heard is that there is that cold turkey period. Yeah, yeah, just a guess. I've never been addicted to weed, but I would Mm -hmm. guess there's a period of time where you stop smoking. It's probably multiple months. Yeah. 
And uh, in order to do it, I think you're going to have to find alternatives to whatever that provided in your life. Mm -hmm. So if it's stress reduction or chilling out or being creative, you're going to have to actively fill those gaps in yeah. or else it's going to become even more torturous. It's weird what swaps in and out, though, because I know someone who smoked cigarettes for years and they swapped it out for chewing pens. Mm. And they're like, if I stop chewing pens, I will smoke cigarettes. But as long as I am chewing pens, I actually won't smoke cigarettes mm. and it it worked like they haven't smoked since like an oral and then fixation. what they had to do was get off of the pen chewing which they did eventually by buying high quality metallic pens yeah they were just crushing through bix um but it's interesting how the mind works like it's like okay i guess this was a nicotine addiction but also like you can sate your brain's addictiveness with just having the same something in your mouth yeah activity-esque mm -hmm. you know it's weird the brain is very very bizarre like that mm -hmm. They talk about, uh, I mean, heroin's supposed to be the most addicting substance there is, right? They talk about how when people were in Vietnam, so many soldiers did heroin and then they came back to a different environment. And I think 85% of them were able to stop mm. cold turkey, which is like, you know, previously, yeah. previously was unheard of. So yeah, it's it's a very, I, I think we're just starting to understand really how addiction works, but a lot of it is set and setting and a lot of it is habit. I think less well, of what is it, like, what is it providing for you? It's yeah. filling in something that you don't have mm -hmm. and if you can get that thing other places, which is a change in environment is one of the best ways to to create, then it, I think it becomes easier. Cool. Next is, I've been working on my social skills for a few years now, but it's only recently that my results have skyrocketed. Thanks nice. to you guys, I went out a lot, met a ton of people, and got way better with girls and people in general. However, even though I have good results, I'm always craving more, feeling like it's not enough. That often leads to an uncomfortable sense of urgency. Does that mean that I'm in deed improving too slowly and that I need to step on the gas or rather than I'm relying too much on my social and dating results in order to feel good. So I, I relate somewhat to, to this, which is uh, become like there's a high that goes when you go out there and you do really well or you meet, you meet someone and everybody likes you and it becomes a, a continuous thing. I would say that in terms of the addictive behaviors, it's on the far healthier side than many of the other ones that you could have. Mm. But there was a time in my life where I needed to learn how to be alone again mm. because we'd gotten good at going out and making friends. And it was it was kind of when we moved to Santa Monica that I, need, that I was like, okay, I'm alone here. What will I do? I remember freaking out that first Friday night that you weren't in town and I had just arrived here and I wasn't going to go out and I was panicking. What yeah. would I do on a Friday night without going somewhere? Yeah, yeah. And I read a book and yeah. hung out and it was okay. So I think uh, now that you've developed that, you can you can try to scale it back and be like, all right, here's some alone nights. Here's some alone hobbies. Here's some uh, things that I can do. And for me, what that was at the beginning was writing, reading, uh, music, guitar in my case. It later became video games. Uh, but But just trying to diversify a little bit so that you're not so driven by a lack of something. I think that's that's the next really cool step or stage that you can try to move into. Yeah, I identify with with chasing that feeling. Mm -hmm. Going, I mean, to, to, for me, it, it wasn't even so much about getting laid. It was just the feeling of being in the bar and being like, mm -hmm. there's a, a group of people I didn't know before, all eyes on me, mm -hmm. laughing at everything I say. The women in the group would like to hook up. And it was like, uh, it was a high that mm -hmm. I chased and went out all the time to chase. Um, I don't think having that feeling means that you are growing too slowly. No, no. I think it means that uh, 
yeah, it's just you're just chasing dopamine in the same way that other people chase dopamine with other yeah pursuits. And it's not horrible because there's uh, secondary benefits that you you can make friends, you can form relationships, you're developing skills that have crossover into a variety of fields. No, weirdly enough, I didn't stop because I thought it was bad for me. I stopped because after you do it enough, the high goes. It's like the guy with the weed question, yeah, the yeah. question before. Like at some point, going out, your tolerance, talk, your talk tolerance rises. You're like. <laughs> this is whatever yeah and so then i was like all right well now i need to find like i kind of just like wrote it out until i was like this isn't as rewarding as it once was yeah the high the high went down do. at some point and i was like all right i'm gonna have to do something yeah yeah i was just like i need a new hobby because mm -hmm. this going out to meet people thing just i've deadened this the, mm -hmm. the euphoria that this gives me yep so that was what i did <laughs> i think either of those uh strategies is, is a good one but you're not doing anything wrong you know you're not growing too slowly. Yeah. I don't. I don't think at all. Cool. Nice. Uh, last one. Instead of wasting your time to go vote, what if you enter a verbal contract with a friend who prefers the opposite party and skip the election together? This way, you have the same exact effect on the election as you would if you both voted and you do so without either of you waiting in line. I have also considered the idea of expanding this to society at large and possibly even with strangers, so that a big chunk of people who vote straight ticket can buddy up with someone who votes the opposite way essentially having a much lower barrier to participate in democracy, all while voting lines are shorter for the people who still show up. Mm -hmm. What I don't get is every friend of mine I've approached with this plan has dismissed it as a dumb idea or just rejected it. Why do you think people aren't open to this idea and what are your personal views on it? First of all, it's 2020. You aren't allowed to have friends in the opposite <laughs> political party. Okay, so... Good luck. <laughs> uh, your hypothetical is impossible, first of all. Yeah, no, I mean, you're talking about a boycott. Uh, it's a bit more of a complicated boycott because you, unlike a bus boycott where your absence impacts the bus company, you your absence only negatively impacts the party that you would like, mm -hmm. which is why you're talking about this difficult nature. So obviously there's, at a social level, I think there's this is just so easy to scam. There'd be a lot of corruption here. There'd be a lot of faking out. Yeah, yeah. In a world, in a world where everyone was just like contractually... Obligated. Not even actually like we're in a world where for some reason it was impossible to break your word. Like your head just exploded if you broke your word. This would absolutely work. Mm -hmm. It's more about implementing because I could totally see people being like, yeah, but you got it. Yeah, I won't vote. And then just going and voting. Mm -hmm. I, I also think in terms of what to do, which it's not the there is a legacy of not participating that were uh, civil disobedience, if you will, that works but i also think that in order to motivate people civil disobedience that is just like we're just gonna sit here we're just gonna you you need some sort of active thing to push people towards in order to be most persuasive mm. so uh that's why marches i think it gives people something to do like i went to the march i stood at the thing i carried the sign mm -hmm. so the question is okay you're not going to vote what will you do instead uh, and I think that you might have more luck in persuading friends to find an affirmative thing to do. It's like, okay, go vote end than you would in just trying to convince people not to. And quite frankly, uh, enough people are convinced not to vote. <laughs> Plenty of people, I would half of America is convinced not to vote. Yeah, I was going to say uh, You don't need to convince more Americans not to vote. I think we have one of the lowest turnouts of most first world countries. Yeah, oftentimes the winning party is just the one that shows up. Yeah. It doesn't even represent like the split of the country. It's just mm -hmm. who cares enough to show up. I also vote voting mail-in voting. I don't know if it's different state by state, but is 
like the easiest thing in the world. There's no one hour waits or anything mm -hmm. like that. So I don't know if that's changed the game and people don't think of voting as um, tedious. There's also early voting. Like I, my sister went a week ago. She said mm -hmm. it was a 10 minute line. So I think for some reason, at some point I thought you had to show up the day of in person to vote and there would be a very long wait, but it seems like there's a lot of solutions to that now. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I don't know that that's like if some problem came to me solving. with this idea, yeah. they're like, listen, we're going to save like, let's say you came to me, you're like, dude, you're not going to vote. I'm not going to vote. We're going to save three hours by not voting. I'd be like, I voted. It took eight minutes. Mm -hmm. Like I had, I literally had it in my home and then just dropped it off at the library. Mm -hmm. So I, I think maybe part of the reason why people don't want to do this is because it's not solving a problem they identify yeah. with. So what is the problem? Is the problem, if the problem is the lines, it's not solving that problem. If the problem is that you think that the system is a sham and that the two parties are, uh, are not representative of what you would want to do then I wonder if there there isn't a more affirmative unity 2020 style of thing that people could get behind sure. instead. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying I think um, it's not a huge carrot. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, we're both going to get to say what we want to say, and you're going to get to save a line. It's like you, you save me like eight to 15 minutes, depending on mm -hmm. if I think. Of, now, if you wait till the last minute and you don't plan and you mm -hmm. live in a very densely populated area, there will be hour long lines places. But, but at that point, if you're this, asking this, this, this question, person is not making Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're asking this question on October 28th to me as your friend, like my rebut would just be like, I'll just I'll just mail it or mm -hmm. I'll just go when there's a shorter line. Yep. So that's it. Dope. Do we have more Patreon bang, bang. questions? Patreon yeah. questions? Do you want to do an outro Patreon first? questions. Yes, I will. <laughs> 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 Did you set up a Discord, Justin? Yes. Yeah, so we have a Discord for patrons <laughs> and we've also set up a public subreddit for everyone. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. And our discussion and questions are there as well. Um, yep. So tomorrow, or I guess today when you're hearing this, uh, we're going to have our very first episode discussion thread on, sub, on our uh, sub Interesting. Oh. Are you going to get in there, Justin? Yeah, I've been getting in the comments. Nice. <laughs> so uh, please join Patreon. <laughs> you can get into this new Discord that we've done. We also have, I post a handful of things. Uh, we talked about, the heuristics that we have for decision making. I posted this multi-page document that is just some of the things that we've learned in our mostly business life about how we make decisions. Nice. We've uh, shared book th book stuff. A lot of the recommendations that I get, Lead Like Ike came from there. The book that I'm reading now on other presidents came from discussion yeah. on Patreon. So if you join at any level, you get access to that. I think it helps us keep things going. That every patron gets their questions answered. As can still, guarantee, guarantee still, that your yes. question gets answered by us in the Patreon. Yes. Now, it might only get posted to the Patreon. That's the other thing. Like, we answer these questions and post them privately on the mm -hmm. Patreon. But, yeah, if you have if you have questions and you want them answered, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, and at this point, there's probably dozens of questions that you've not yet seen the answers to here that we can go a little bit deeper into the specifics that are on the Patreon. Uh, and so what's some of the stuff? We've covered some YouTube advice. We've talked about stoicism a little bit more. But whatever you wanted to ask right now, that's still a thing. So if you want to join Patreon, please do so. You can click in there but that's it for today cool thanks for listening like later mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.